0: Hey there, this is Jonathan Greer, one of your hosts on Small Church Shepherds Podcast. I wanted to give just a little, uh, little intro pre-show talk with you here, a little catch-up on things. We have been a month or so not publishing episodes, but we have a bunch of episodes in our backlog now, and we're going to start pumping these things out on Mondays. Also, um, just got back from the Southern Baptist Convention in Birmingham, Alabama, where we got a couple of interviews in and there's these interviews are going to be shorter instead of our typical 30, 40 minute episode. These interviews are going to be closer to 15, 16 minutes. Um, we got a in great interview with um, Mark Clifton uh, from Sind. We also got a interview with the Dean of Spurgeon College, um, the bachelor undergrad program at Midwestern. And so looking forward to both of those interviews, there's going to be dropping in the midweek, probably on Wednesday or Thursday this week and next week, um, just as some extra content for you, but and all in all, we're just looking forward to being back to recording, being back to putting out episodes. Um, please, if you are still following us after this long gap and didn't feel like we've abandoned you, um, Hit us up, send us something, a message on Facebook, send us an email at smallchurchshepherds at gmail, and uh, we'd be glad to hear from you. Peace. Get ready for the Small Church Shepherds Podcast. Small Church Shepherds exist to encourage, enrich, and equip small church pastors and churches. You can find our blog and more information about us at smallchurchshepherds.com. Hey, this is Jonathan. I'm here with Dennis and James, as usual. And I know it's been a while for us, uh, but we're trying to get back on board with this whole uh, Small Church Shepherds podcast. And we want to hit the ground running today with the topic of women in the church. What are their roles? Um, this is kind of a big controversy right now but what are their roles what can women do biblically and what should they not do um and especially how does this apply to the life and the complications of a small church so uh dennis you and you give us kind of a breakdown of what's going on in the southern baptist convention with this women issue well
1: right now um, there's a lot of heat around this issue um, sort of started. It's not a new thing, of course. It's 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 a thing that various denominations have struggled with for the better part of the past century. Um, we all know that if you look at um, various denominations, whether it be the Episcopalians or the Methodists, have, have struggled differently. Uh, Presbyterian denominations have struggled with this issue, and and, and what's happened over um, past 100 years is that churches have had and denominations have come to point where they ask the question: What do we believe about uh, women, specifically in the role of pastor in the church? And and for the past, you know, 100 years, Southern Baptists have been really consistent. And sort of, um, sort of unified in their stance that the Bible teaches uh, that women should not be pastors of churches. But recently, um, a very popular uh, Bible study leader and. Uh, Um, writer Beth Moore made some waves when she she noted that she would be in the pulpit of a Southern Baptist church on Mother's Day preaching and so that sort of reignited this whole issue sort of you know set the fuse for the issue and as we move um, towards the the Southern Baptist Convention and and you can even add I guess Jonathan you could add J.D. Greer um, mentioning that he would would love to see Beth Moore be the president of the Southern Baptist Convention and some other things like that. Did he say that? I read somewhere they did, not if I'm wrong, J.D., if I'm wrong, I apologize, but I did read somewhere that, that he said that. And I've, heard, I've seen that in other places okay. and places that but this is sort of a push that's being made, and it's creating a lot of heat, and it's in a season where there's heat on a lot of issues. If you're a Southern Baptist yeah. right now, it seems like um, the, the, the relative peace that we found after the election— of um our first African American Southern Baptist president has sort of gone and now there's a lot of heat around a lot of issues and so that's one of the big issues that's that's sort of being talked about within Southern Baptist circles. Uh James, you got anything to add?
2: Yeah, I, I would say this debate, as you were mentioning, is not new. Everything is cyclical. Uh, I mean, back in the 60s and 70s, John Stott and Martin Lloyd-Jones were debating about social justice. Um, and then it led to other waves of uh, feminism and women in the pulpit. So it's cyclical. Our generation now is going to have this debate. And 30, 40, 50 years from now, it will come up again. Right. Um, and so all we can do, I, I mean, I say we, I can't speak for everybody, but me as a pastor is, you know, our call is to, to the scripture of course to the gospel Mm and to go to the scriptures examine what they say and wherever the lines fall they fall and we are to be i believe to be gracious humble um but to have firm convictions to stand there and to say lovingly here are the truths here are Mm -hmm. the applications of those truths and and whatever heat may come um it's going to have to come or if it doesn't it doesn't but is and, and and this whole controversy. The thing that's most discouraging to me is not the discussion. It's the way people are interacting with each other. Um, yeah. that They would never do this if they were sitting together drinking coffee cum- cup of coffee at starbucks Um, and and that's what's most discouraging um, because you see people who are not even within the denomination people who are either so far right or so far liberal jumping in the middle of it and it's just causing it's just like pouring gas upon a fire so but but i would agree we're going to have this discussion another 50 years from now i think it's healthy why the bible talks about it So we can talk about it. And and I look forward to seeing what what the scriptures uh, teach us to help us as small church
0: shepherds. Well, I I would agree completely that we have to go back to scripture and talking to your point about it being cyclical. um, This was a big issue in the Southern Baptist Convention right before and leading up to the conservative resurgence. I mean, if you just go back on YouTube and look at the the Q&A with Al Mohler when he was going to Southern Baptist seminary as uh, president for the first time, and there was one of the huge things. Now, obviously the debate was over the inerrancy of Scripture, but outflowing from that was uh, big in that time was women preachers, because you had our Baptist seminaries teaching and training women to be pastors, and you had liberal churches ordaining women as pastors, part of the Southern Baptist Convention. And so what I think personally has happened is that though We, um, we might have won the war (laughs) in that sense during the conservative resurgence, uh, it reminds me of these Japanese soldiers after World War II um, that I, I can't remember where they were at, and so, like some island in Taiwan or something. But three years after the war was over, they were still fighting for the war in Taiwan because they never got word that the ba- that the war was over. And I think you've still had these little these strains in Southern Baptist culture that though the war was over, they've still been kind of fighting, and now they're flaring up. as um, well. I think is happening. Um oh, John, the, let me make it even worse for you because uh there was actually a, a Japanese
1: soldier who um died in nineteen ninety one um who was in the Philippines after World War Two. He died after um like I think he didn't come out of hiding until nineteen seventy four. So he yeah. so it's even worse than that. I mean, that's thirty years fighting a war that it ended. So I mean yeah. I think that's sort of what we're seeing is is, you know, people do not let these things die, and and even I, I know for me talking about that that old war dogs, I thought sometimes even some of the guys on the winning side were still fighting battles that mm-hmm. that had been won, and, and and so I think there's that 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 tendency to do that, but but right now that this is the the, the issue du jour,
0: the issue of the day. Mm-hmm. Is, well, if we're gonna if we're gonna discuss it, we have to have on that foundation of all right. No matter how we might feel emotionally, or where our preferences might lie, we have to uh, just say, as as pastors of local churches and as Christians in general, that we have to found whatever we're gonna make our positions on on the Word of God, um, and, and count it. As the word of God. And so we want kind of want to do that this morning uh, or what is it? It's this afternoon. Whenever we're recording this, uh, (laughs) what we want to do is, is what do we see in the word of God, both affirmative and negative towards women's roles in the churches, which either one of y'all want to hit hit that one?
2: I, th- I think uh, what you said uh, we've been talking about and putting everything together about such a topic is to start positively. I mean, I think that's a good place to maybe find some common ground. Um, I'm not saying compromise, but I am saying a uh, common ground. And and we've already mentioned, uh, you know, you already see uh, in the book of Acts uh, taking place. Well, I'll jump to Titus, too. This is what I'll start with. You just see where Paul is affirming the role of women. Um, in the local church. Specifically, you mentioned older women uh, teaching and discipling younger women within the church. So right there, we already see something positive in the context uh, taking place in the scriptures, where women are having a positive, active discipleship teaching role in the la- local church, and and I think that's where we see Paul throughout scriptures talk to women about being fellow workers. For we all, no, regardless of your gender, um, we are all called to preach and share the gospel and to make disciples and so in titus paul gets very specific about the role of older women and older men in the discipleship Mm -hmm. and teaching sound doctrine local church and i think to be honest the longer i pastor that's what's precious to me that there's men and women um, who are taking the time to pour their lives into someone else and teach them the scripture so i think that's one place to start saying the bible does not forbid women to teach not to teach at all it doesn't say Uh that that's that's not what what paul refers to in first Timothy, which I know we'll talk about, but we start with the affirmation where he actually commands them to teach. He commands them to do something. So that's a positive command that we see. So I would say obviously Titus 2 is, is one of those prime examples.
1: Yeah, and also well, uh, go ahead. Well, also if you look in, in chapter 11, 1 Corinthians, um, we in that in that section on head coverings where it talks about, you know, I want a woman to have her head covered. The thing that we look at, we sort of focus on that that whole idea. Is what is what is he talking about when he talks about head coverings? And we sort of get caught on that. But I think sometimes we miss the trees for the forest because also in that there's a positive encouragement that the women do pray in the church. That there mm-hmm. is the the public prayers of women in the church. That there is uh, the public prophecy of women in the church and and however that works itself out. So there's that public affirmation here in in First Corinthians 11 that prayer is something that we should have. And and, and you know as well as I have, guys, that there are some guys who will say no women on the stage at all for anything during a Mm worship service. But here Paul is positively affirming the
0: prayers of women saints in the church. I've only ever even— been at one church in my entire life where a woman could eat would even be called on to pray to end a service or or something like that you know um my home church there were the pastor where i was saved uh he would sometimes call on a lady to pray at the end of service the benediction or something like that um and and but most churches I serve at, they are terrified of that concept. Um and, and they're just like, in no way do the women have any role in the service. Um but I think in doing that, you're going against what we have seen, as y'all have posted, uh, or y'all stated from First Corinthians 11 and Titus 2, is that you have this idea that women are to be involved. They're to be involved in teaching other women. They're to be involved in praying, even publicly in the church. Um, another thing that I've been going through, I'm preaching through First Corinthians right now, and I'm on this section of chapters 8 through 11 where it kind of— all dealing with our liberties and our rights and our willingness to lay those rights down, uh, for the sake of the lost and unbelievers. And also we're going through Mark Devers book on discipling. And, and one of the things that has kind of hit me in this is let's just take the Titus two where older women are supposed to disciple younger women. If we were actually focused on making disciples, The women would never run out of something to do in the church discipling other women, and the men would never run out of anything to do in the church just discipling other men, because that is such an all-encompassing task that we have inside of our churches. And so it's one of the reasons I think some of this stuff is even an issue is because our churches are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, And that's a bigger topic for another day, but I think that this wouldn't even be an issue if we were... Really had, if the Southern Baptist Convention um, and just America and the world as a whole were filled with solid disciple making churches, I don't even know if this would be an issue. You know, maybe it would be. I don't know.
2: yeah, I, I would say, even practically, as you mentioned, Titus, two, they're being busy, it's also the practicality of it. He not only commands women, older women, to disciple younger women to teach them, but think about that. You, you don't have older women discipling um, uh, grown men that are 40, 50 years old. It's just, or think about you trying to disciple a 16 year old girl. Yeah, seventeen-year-old yeah, girl. You, you see what I'm saying? There's just yeah. there's there's not only a biblical command, but there's just beautiful common sense that keeps people safe um, mm-hmm. in that as well. I mean, you also look at, at Acts. Now, this is not a command; it's an example. It's just, it's descriptive. It's not prescriptive, as they say. But you have Aquila and Priscilla who take Apollos, who ends up being a wonderful apostle and preacher. That you study the history of Scripture. Um, they take him aside, and it says, "And they heard him. They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately." So you see his husband and wife team working mm. together where she and her husband sit down with this man um, in mm-hmm. the context of educating him, helping him grow in Christ. I mean, yeah. and I, I would use the context. I remember when I was a younger minister, there I would go visit and there would be husband and wives who would pour into me wisdom mm-hmm. um, just about, hey, Brother James, um, here here's something pastors did in the past or here's something I've thought about in the Bible. What do you think about that? So they challenged me. It was not that it, she was trying have authority now i know authority is always inherently connected with teaching always you can't separate you can try but you can't um but in the same time you have husband wife team sitting there so i think you see another example if a husband and wife in hospitality ministry Mm -hmm. um having people come over with their with family in the neighborhood you can teach preach you know things of that nature also
0: uh, also also in missions, um, yes, we see yeah. we see in First Corinthians eleven. I've just preached through this a couple a couple Sundays ago. Um, in First Corinthians, Paul, when he's making that argument in chapter nine about a labor deserving his wages, he also makes an argument about is he the only apostle that's not allowed to bring a wife with him? You know, like right and, right. and so the idea in that is that maybe some of those other apostles, when they are going on their missionary journeys, just like Paul was doing, they're taking their wives. With them, and their wives are serving alongside them as missionaries. Well, We know that's true because Priscilla and Quilla went with
1: with Paul. Yeah, and they worked uh, ministry for Paul, and they worked together. And, and often, um, in fact, you, there there's some biblical scholars that will say that in that relationship, that it was probably Priscilla who was more involved with the ministry because, unlike the social norm that would have had a Quilla, the man listed first, they list. Priscilla everywhere in scripture, mm-hmm. she's listed first. And, and that's just a way of saying, you know, Priscilla was the one who was yep, more active yep. in the ministry. And, and and that makes sense. Aquila would have been doing the work and raising yep, money yep. for that. And, and so, so,
0: so, so far we have women in the church being able to make disciples and serve younger women. We have them uh, definitely serving alongside, um, their husbands in various forms of ministry and and building up of the church like hospitality ministry um, and mentoring um, and and things like that we have them able to teach Um, we have them praying publicly in the church as part of the church Um, and we also have them as missionaries and then in Romans 16 you see Phoebe mentioned and it says as a servant in some translations but other translations call her a deaconess Um, and so that brings Brings up the issue of all right, we have formal roles in the church of elder and deacon, and some would argue that maybe women should be included in in the deacon category. What do y'all feel on that? Uh, my uh, feeling
1: is that um, you know deacons are servants. That's that's what the word deacon means. And I think, and, and I've often said this, that I think we do a disservice in our churches when we don't have a ministry set up for our women to serve women. And what I mean by that, um, if if you've been in ministry for any period of time, you've had the uncomfortable situation where you walk into a hospital and you get told by some lady exactly what her surgery entailed in graphic detail that you never, ever wanted to hear and uh, things about her body that you never wanted to know. And mm-hmm. having women do some of those those roles of going to the hospitals when you have people and you know, women in the hospital serving them, um, number one, it makes them more comfortable sometimes having a woman come than it is a man. I know when we had our first son, Noah, our pastor, bless his heart, felt like he had to stay in the room with us until finally we just had to say, you need to go. And, yeah. uh, him <laughs> having this this man in there with us, and and if if it was one of the ladies from the church or someone that was close to us, we both would have felt much more comfortable with her being in that room during that very uncomfortable time for my wife. I mean, there, there's nothing comfortable about childbirth, um, and so those are roles that I think we should we should explore in our churches, given opportunities for women to serve other women in those moments when when a guy just it, it makes it a little. A little uncomfortable, James. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, even historically as Baptists, um, there's always been a precedent from women women deacons. Um, so, I mean, it's nothing out of the norm. We know several. I guess you call them "quote unquote" popular preachers who have, who are Southern Baptists who are historically more, I guess you say Calvinistic, is exp- expositional preaching inerrancy, who have women servant leaders. You know they'll call them that instead of deaconesses oh. or something. But so I, I it, to be honest, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I, I lean both ways. I know that all the grammatical, you know, and just I mean um, yeah. language debates. You know, yeah. chapter 3, of First Timothy about is it wives or is it w- women? You know that type of thing. But so it it does not bother me. Because in the sense, though, in the same context, deacon doesn't carry with it the elder authority, and and, yeah. and I know we've got, I know we're getting there. We got you got to get to that one, te- you know, that one passage of scripture, uh, and we're slowly getting there. But far as uh, as as you said, it's it's their servant. I know there's the idea of Phoebe being seen as a servant, fellow mm-hmm. workers, um, and so that's where you see even in the context of a local church, a small church, you see women being you know uh, deacons anyway i mean they 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 they're, they're, they're functionally tables. they're yeah. functionally they're being deacons and and so that's where it never It never has bothered me to make that jump even biblically in Scripture to say, hey, um, with this board or this group of men called deacons, um, you have women sitting there, too, who are helping with the exchange of money, feeding the poor, the widows, hospital
0: visits, things of that nature. Take the church I'm at right now. We have a fantastic group of older women in the church. and. If functionally, several of them are serving as deacons, you will see these ladies visiting people in the hospital. You will see these ladies go in and doing home visitations when someone gets released from the hospital and bringing them food and things. You will see these ladies, uh, they handle the money. They are our the, tellers to count offerings and making yeah. deposits on side, the on the sake of the church. They are the ones who help with painting. You know, we have some men that do a lot of the construction for the church, but they always bring the ladies in for painting. Uh, they they manage our food pantry for us, and it's all the ladies that are managing all that. Those are all like de- definitely deacon responsibilities, but the women oh, yeah. are just doing it. And matter of fact, now we don't have the women just come into our deacons meetings and the church would not be comfortable, the church I serve at is not comfortable calling a woman as a deacon. Uh, But there have been many instances when we are talking about making changes at the church with the deacons, and they will say, well, we better run this by these ladies and it's like almost subconsciously they they recognize that these ladies are valuable and that these ladies are the ones doing the service in these areas and so we need their opinion on this you know and so like functionally I have a few deaconesses if you were wanted to be strict about it you know but they're they're not called a deaconess they're not ordained they're just sweet ladies that serve the church faithfully right. Um, but let's get to that uh, that verse we've been kind of dancing around. And First <laughs> Timothy chapter two verse eleven it says, "Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man; rather, she is to remain quiet." Like, right. and you could so, also, you could also add First Corinthians fourteen where it says, um,
1: "Let all things be done for building up." Uh, verse 26 uh, and then if anyone's uh, i'm sorry um but that's not the right verse so never mind
0: just excuse me because that's <laughs> my verse i just lost my verse ah it's You're supposed in- to be prepared man is it I- first corinthians 14 where are you going This verse i get it i lost my verse keep going just ignore me ignore the man behind, <laughs> <laughs> ignore the, man behind the curtain I- I I would I
2: would say the crux of the matter at this point in the SBC is not a battle over inerrancy necessarily. I know like you said there's pockets Uh of it. I think we've come to the point of two things. Number one, we've gotta get down what we mean by sufficiency. All right. Mm -hmm. And then number two, I think we gotta get down hermeneutics. I think we just gotta get down how how are we to be consistently uh, um, consistent, I should say, in interpreting and then applying this scripture. And that's where the sufficiency comes in. Is it sufficient? Um, and, and I think that's that's what's got to take place here. And, and I know this is my opinion as I read this and its cr- context about the created order, all those type of things. It's rooted in creation. But we have to say, okay, um, do we believe the Bible to be sufficient? All right. And then secondly is now, how do we get a consistent Hermeneutic, not only here, but the same hermeneutic that we use in all of scripture. Because I've seen people have a consistent hermeneutic until they get to this passage and vice versa. Yes. Um, you know, I've seen that several times in this debate going, well, you would never interpret any other passage like that. You would never no, do that. Never. I um, mean, so that, that's one of the things I'm getting to is I, I, I'm i glad you say, well, I believe the Bible is inspired and fallible. Okay, show me your hermeneutic. All right. Do you believe the Bible is, is good enough to teach us how the church should be ran? Okay. Yes, I do. Do. okay well show me how you interpret that scripture tell me what that scripture means without first having to explain it away or anything no don't explain it away it's there but anyway, yeah. I mean that's that's when I first see that. That's my biggest concerns in this debate is if right. you don't believe it, don't believe it. That's that's right. your prerogative. But so, if we're gonna, if, if you're gonna be in the SBC, don't we, we have to find some common ground about how we're going to interpret Scripture? I mean, there is an intent in this passage, and we all agree in that. There's a mm-hmm. tent, a intent. tent. What is it, and how do we get to that? And I think everybody needs to be on the page. And I think that would help some.
1: Some. Well. And, and I agree with you, James. I think the problem is the hermeneutics. And, and just so that I don't sound crazy, it is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But I was looking at <laughs> it. it's 33. It says, um, for God is not a God of confusion, but peace. And in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in church. But they're not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. So that's the first thing was, I was looking for. So in... So I think James, I mean or Jonathan, I think that this whole debate comes into um, the, the debate. Is always comes down to the hermeneutics of what is cultural and what is 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 applicable to today. And I think the thing to me that makes me look at that text and say, okay, this can't be a cultural thing, is that everywhere you find this issue of women in leadership, it always goes back to the creation order and the fact that God created man first, woman second. And there's this creation order. It says that in First Timothy, this creation order is, is called upon. And the fact that that, that order is a picture of Christ's relationship to God, our relationship to Christ, the church's relationship to Christ, and that's the picture that we see here. It has nothing to do with ability. It has everything to do with who has the authority to say how we do. Mm -hmm. Is it Uh, us or
0: God? Well, it is. But let's take this, and and I want to delve just real quick before we start applying it to small churches and, and local churches. I want us to deal with this. When we say and we read in these verses that a woman is to remain silent in First Timothy um, and not to teach in a place of authority, and then we go to First Corinthians 14 and we see that she's not to teach with authority, not to speak in the church, how does that apply to... Preaching. is it? Does this mean that a woman can never preach in any format or speak authoritatively in a church service ever? Or is this saying that a woman can never preach or teach authoritatively anywhere? Or is it confined to the church? Well, I mean, what is it? Can a woman teach if she's under the authority of the pastor, as some arguments have been made? Okay, who's, gonna get, who's, who's in the line of fire first, me or
2: Oh, man, I'll take it. I'm in blood for punishment. So don't mind. I. Um, I, I, think, I think here's the issue is everybody wants a cookie-cutter answer, and there's not one. Now, number one in a worship service, if I'm pastoring, women are not preaching. You, you, praying's fine. Reading Scripture's fine. But you're not going to get up in the middle of worship service and do an exposition of teaching or Scripture. That's just not going to happen. Um, but you read passage, like during the middle of a song or between songs. You pray. Those things are wonderful. They're great. We want to invite women to be a part of that. Now when you're getting on the the cookie cutter, everybody wants a direct answer. Like if I'm in the middle of Africa and it's just a woman and and two men, you know, can she have the authority to tell them the gospel or the scriptures? Yeah, she's the only Christian. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're going to say, yeah, yeah, give them the gospel.
1: But if it is... Just just another example is uh, in China where, um, you know, talking to uh, some of the guys who are going over there doing ministry, I was asked to go and teach uh, seminary classes in China and they said, you're going to have a lot of, females who are pastoring these churches, but it's because all the males have been arrested and put in jail. And they're the only ones left to pastor the churches right now until the men are released from prison. Those are specific yeah. situations that right. that that are special. Yeah, And, and I well, think when, when
2: Paul was speaking here, I'm not saying he's speaking in generalities because Paul doesn't do that. But what I am speaking is that the 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 everyday common outwork of the local church, how it operates, you man. have specific officers, they have to have specific qualifications, and one of those qualifications for elder is to be male. And that's where you yeah. get the, the authority. When he's saying teaching and authority, it's like two links in a chain. They're connected right there. Uh, he's I not think- saying a woman can never, yeah. ever preach. He's not saying that. We've already, yeah. I mean, teach, teach, I should say, because we've already shown passages where they're commanded to teach. Yeah. So so we just got to step back, use the right hermeneutic common sense, and to say, if a church leader's elders, like J.D. Greer says, we let women get up in the middle of a service, as long as they don't teach and preach as one being an elder, well, the problem is in the middle of a worship service, and you've done all the music, and they get mm-hmm. up there, you're going to struggle for them not to see that woman as authoritative. It's just, you're, you're going to have a hard time you may say it all you want Mm -hmm. and i understand the sentiment there but it's very hard you may say one thing it's like this i'll give an example we believe the bible's inspired and infallible but you never open it when you preach i understand that sentiment and elders have to create a framework to operate in to say what what do we see as this is authoritative as an elder would operate, and if it if it is that they decide that, I think that's where you have to say this is only for 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 uh, qualified ministers. Because here's my issue with it: it's the same thing. I wouldn't let certain men stand up in a worship service and right. dare yeah. speak a thing. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't let them talk at all, much less read the
0: scriptures or preach. So, so
2: yeah. Go ahead. So you can
0: you're saying you can go to a conference and a woman can preach at a conference, open the word of God to expound from it, but not at not at church, not in the worship service.
2: I I would I'm I, I'm not comfortable with conference because I've never been to a conference where it's not a worship service. Right. I, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm being they they play music, they pray, they take up money, they give Baptist announcements, and then they get up there and they are preaching with authority the word of God. And so But is people, that
0: the church? In the scripture, if we're going to be a, a consistent hermeneutic, I'm playing devil's advocate here. No, no, um, you're good. Yeah, if, if we're going to apply a consistent hermeneutic, every one of the scriptures that we've listed today specifically entail in the church. So is a conference meeting, whether it is worshipful, is it in the church?
2: Well, it's not necessarily in the church. I would say when she gets up there, is she seeking to preach authoritatively? Yeah, I would ask her that. Never, I mean, if she gets up there and says, I just want to talk, we all know the difference in someone doing an exposition of Scripture and talking. I mean, that would be me, you know, in the sense of over even to the degree of, yes, there's the local church, but there's obviously the universal church. And so yeah. if you have the universal church a uh, uh, meeting together at a conference. The same rules still apply. You just all, Do you, you
0: feel like that's, that's a consistent hermeneutic or a way to wiggle out of your position? Well,
2: I think, well no, I think it's consistent <laughs> sense of two ways. I'll give you two reasons. Number one, it's the universal church. Number two, besides being the universal church, is consistent because again, it's you don't have a biblical principle set in place where you have any time women standing and preaching and proclaiming over a body of Christians. So.
0: If it's a conference, but it's not worshipful, you've just come and it's just a line of speakers. Maybe they play some songs between them to give some transition. Um, No offering taken. No, you know, none of that. It's just a couple songs and a speaker. Um, That still, you would say, needs to be men if they were speaking from the word of God. See, I'll I'll swing at this one. First off. Yeah, that conference does
1: not exist.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say, Joth is making up the rarest conference I've ever heard of. Just, you know, to say uh, I oh, just okay. I'm
0: like, just trying I'm just trying know, to flesh argue because like, like these are arguments that I see on like Facebook and stuff. You but, know, but
2: here's the thing. That's why I'm going back. There's not. There's not a cookie cut scenario for every situation. Yeah. That's where again I say the elders have to get together. And I would encourage husbands and wives to get together. And I've I've sat, like for instance, the other day I listened to a podcast of Rosea Butterfield on Nine Marks. Mm-hmm. She she taught me. She taught me she what hospitality was. But yeah. she was sitting there with her husband because she requested it. She sat there with her husband, did the interview, talked about the book, talked about scripture. She edified me. She encouraged me. But she I, I do not think at all. She was Violating this principle right here. But is it really
0: possible? My question, though, is is it even possible? to teach something from Scripture and not do it authoritatively because Scripture in itself carries an authority. That, that to me, is the whole crux of the matter. And that's
2: where I'm always going to lean toward safe than sorry in the sense of, listen, I have to lean toward anytime anyone opens this book and they are teaching and going at it, there's authority always connected to it. So, I mean, a,
0: so let's go into the small church shepherd situation now. This is the perfect transition. In a small church, like many of us that— to this podcast and us uh though i don't know how long dennis can stay in this group as he keeps moving up in the world but (laughs) but in in most small cases like say you know a lot of churches i served at one church that did not have a single qualified male to teach a sunday school class and you had if you were going to have a sunday school class it was going to be a elderly woman and they were all godly, elderly women, I believe. But, like, all of their husbands were unbelievers. I had this rash in this church of I had, like, six women who were devout Christians who all had unbelieving husbands. Like, it was just crazy. I've never had that anywhere. And this church, it, that's what I'm saying. So you had you had women not just teaching younger women or other women. You had mixed company Sunday school classes, and they had to open up the Word of God. That Can I tell you what I did? What? What? I was at First Baptist
2: Church at Pickens, Mississippi, had a class um, where—two classes, actually—where women were teaching both of them. They were mixed, genders and all that. And I came in, and um, the woman had concerns about her teaching other men. She brought it up. I didn't because she's reading Scripture. So we combined both classes, and I taught them until we can find someone, disciple someone, and find someone that could do it. And so I did it for two years straight till I found someone that, that felt like they could handle it and do that. Now, that's not every case, but I am saying... Our first thought is we've got to keep Sunday school the way it's designed when we might need to make some changes to Sunday school. I mean, we might need to disciple better and know mm-hmm. three years from now. I don't mind compromising for a while for a woman doing that, knowing in the long run I'm discipling some men and we're going to we're going to try to get this the ship straight, so to speak. And mm-hmm. I think I think that does matter. I don't think you come in there. Y'all know this is your first pastorate or your first year with a sledgehammer and start saying this is how it's going to be, ladies. You know, mm-hmm. just good luck with that you know and yeah. uh, but i mean i'm not trying to be mean but at the same Thomas, time yeah pastor. I promise
0: last a Sunday school teacher a lot longer than you last pastor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah
2: Sunday school and that, teachers and that,
0: have like the most amazing tenures. Yeah, you know?
2: and and that's uh, where as you as you mature a church and grow them and then make changes, we talked about plurality of elders, of regenerate yeah. church membership, church discipline. This is just another thing on there that you're going to have to educate yourself, grow, challenge your people, challenge yourself, listen to this podcast and see if we're right or wrong. Well, see what the Lord does. Yeah,
0: yeah. Got to listen to this podcast that's where you're gonna get all the answers i promise but yeah. uh, well, listen I go to conferences and I've had difficult questions <laughs> you get right. in, what if you're at a church where all the
1: men are mute and no only- <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a Jonathan what if, okay? Because Okay, go ahead, Jonathan. All right,
0: if they're all mute, you you teach everyone sign language. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I, all right, I brought that very situation with all nothing but women to teach to uh, actually asked it straight to Mark Dever, and I was like, what do you do in a situation like that? And he said, preach expositionally through the Bible. That was his answer to me, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, and it's like, okay, well, do you do – how much do you tolerate? At what point do you say, all right, well, I'm going to – I know this is not ideal in my church. Right. Right. And- uh, I've been advised by someone who is obviously wise and mature that the answer is not to change it, but to let them change themselves while, while you preach right. faithfully. All right. And so how long and how much can you we tolerate in these areas while saying, you know what, I'm going to keep preaching the word of God. I am going to hope and pray that the Holy Spirit convicts and changes the hearts of these people m- simultaneously praying that they rise up men to take these positions. Positions. um or do like you did, James, where you're saying, all right, I'm just going to take the reins on this while we're discipling somebody. Like, Where's the balance in those two options?
2: I would say, number one, besides preaching expositionally, when you get in there, start discipling men. Yeah. To start discipling men. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I did at Cato for five years. And within the first two years, they had four new deacons. I mean, so you, it's just, you just got to get in there. Number one, no, no, I'm going to preach expositionally. I'm going to do personal discipleship and I'm going to pray. And you'll see those healthy things start. Con- some conversations will naturally come up because you're going to preach expositionally and you're going to be able to address it. That You can bring these scenarios you're bringing up. You can bring them up in your sermon, Jonathan, if everybody's mute, you know, that type of thing, you mm-hmm. know, Mm-hmm. You can apply it, see how it works. And and it did by God's grace. It wor- it worked. It worked mm-hmm. for some some situations that we needed to change. God and His grace and the scriptures and time, the Spirit of God did a great work. And you just had to talk about it. But first, disciple, educate, challenge them. And then they trust you and educate them.
1: You know, and, and some of this, Jonathan, just getting back to what you, what you were asking about how long, what's the time frame. I don't think there's a good time frame. I think some of this comes comes under. um, As you're a pastor and you're dealing with people, you know how far your people have to come. Because I mean, some of your people are going to be pretty mature, and you can quickly move them somewhere. But some of your people it's got to take time. I mean, and you know where your people are, you know where spiritually they are, you know where um, uh, in the discipleship process they are, and so. That's where the grace comes in, filling them, teaching them, being patient. Um, you know, the thing is this, I, I go back to what Paul says at the beginning of the book of Philippians, six. some preach for bad motives, some preach for good motives. The, the thing is, the gospel is preached. And I'm not trying to assign motives. What I'm saying is, when things aren't perfect, even if we think that they can be better, as long as the gospel is being preached, then we should have grace through those seasons when things aren't how they should be. And and trust that the gospel, as we preach
0: it, is going to work those things out. I think— I'm oh, sorry. I, I'll just to interrupt you there. I think that the scripture shows us that. Um, it shows us when I say that, I, I think the scripture, when we read through the New Testament, what I think we see is a leniency on the part of God in formative churches. All right. We always go to the Acts and we're careful to say, all right, remember, this is descriptive, not prescriptive. Okay. But also, what we have to look at that and say is, alright if it's descriptive it's also not describing it as sin <laughs> when you had things these churches forming and missionaries going out and they were something different than what we get formally and officially in the epistles you know right. um, and so I people when they're kind of fighting you on this issue of women in leadership, they want to bring up the edge cases and almost every time they're going to bring up a formative case, a missionary uh, in a foreign field, uh, uh, something where like we've talked about, where everyone's mute you know, or or it's just one woman and she's the only Christian and or they'll bring up all these formative cases and say, you're telling me that in that situation, and you know what, I will tell you, maybe in that situation yes, yeah, she can share the gospel, yes, yeah, she can maybe preach in that situation but as soon as they are able to form a formal functioning church there needs to be a male in the elder position it's not something she should maintain so to bring this to a close uh, James had to leave us and me and Dennis are going to finish this out in the local church, and we're small church shepherds here, um, and we're doing this podcast because we want to help you think through the issues. Yes, you, it's easy to get lost in what's going on on the national scene, but we just want to focus on not forget what's going on in the national scene. We just want to have biblical, healthy churches. Yeah. and. And I think what we see here is that you can have a biblical healthy church where women are active in your church, where women are praying, where they're going out, uh, even probably leading mission groups, I would say, you know, they're not going out. You could see them doing these leadership positions, serving as servants in the church, whether you want to call them deacons or not. Um, You can see them reading Scripture and praying in the service. But one thing we see that you just cannot do if you're going to be faithful to Scripture is we cannot have uh, women speaking and preaching expounding the Word of God to people in any kind of authoritative way, which we are going to define as any teaching from the Scripture as being authoritative over men. Um, And while that's not ideal um, and maybe seem impossible where you're at in your situation, uh, I want to encourage you, and I know everyone else on the podcast wants to encourage you that, you know what, you might not feel like God is ever going to send a godly man that you can disciple and raise up to take a leadership position, but if If you start trying to make disciples of the men in your community and in your church, God will work through you. Um, I wanted to read to you Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29. It says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that powerfully works within me. If you toil and you struggle, presenting the gospel, making disciples, it's from God's word says this his, that being God's, energy. Will powerfully work within you. God is going to work to help you make disciples and to train up men to put into leadership if you don't have it now. And you just have to trust in Him and His Word to help Him do it. You have any closing thoughts, Dennis? The, the thing is this: I think um, there there
1: are more things that women can do in our churches than than they can't do. Mm-hmm. And I think being positive about the roles of women in our churches and not. You know, as you said, Jonathan, um, being afraid to allow women to take part in the service, not being afraid to allow them to, to have some 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 roles that value them. Is important because you know one of the things that one of the positive things that I think is coming out of this conversation is is a push for us to more value the women in our church and and more than just being the matriarch who prepares the food for the funeral, but really Mm -hmm. value them as as contributors to the kingdom, value them to contributors to discipleship, and I think that's what we need to do. Um, You know, I tell my church all the time, my prayer is that Christians and, and 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 I'm using this for us as as small church pastors that we would be known more for what we're for than what we're for against against. And, and I think we've been sort of sort of pigeonholed into what we're against let's be for what we're for we're for women taking part in ministry we're for women making disciples we're for women um you know helping us raise up godly men and women in the church and and um and so we're for those things and being for those things i think that's the positive side of what we're talking about that's what we need to focus on
0: yeah yeah All right. Well, hey, thanks for joining us here at Small Church Shepherds Podcast. Um, Remember to check out our blog at smallchurchshepherds.com. Also, since we've recorded last, we've started up a partnership with SPC Voices. Um, So every once in a while, you might see us cross post where we have a post on our blog also on SPC Voices. So uh, go and give them a visit. You know, uh, return the favor that they're doing to us. They're wanting to help us reach people. Um, So let's return the favor for them. Um, And also check out our Facebook page. Go to look up Small Church Shepherds on Facebook, and um, all of our stuff is posted there. It's also probably the best way to get in contact with us is to message us through our Facebook page. And thank you. Have a great week.